Hello, and welcome to the Lake Forest Church Huntersville Sermon Podcast. We are a community of skeptics, spiritual explorers, and longtime followers of Christ. To learn more about who we are as a church and how you can get connected, visit lakeforest.org. Well, happy Sunday. Uh, For any of those of you that I have not met yet, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here. And I have the pleasure this morning uh, of wrapping up this series, God Within Us. Uh, And so really what this has been is a look at the the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in in our everyday normal lives. But if we're being real, every day doesn't feel so normal anymore, does it? And so each week we've kind of grounded ourselves in the foundational verses for this entire series. And so we're going to go ahead and we're going to start there. Uh, that is Galatians 5, 22 and 25 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so each week, we've talked a little bit about who the Holy Spirit is, uh, how we keep in step with Him, and then addressed a specific aspect of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so so thinking about this, reading this verse, I kind of got stuck on the phrase, keeping in step with the Spirit. Like, what does that really mean? How exactly do I do that in real life? And I realized I actually have a way that I've kind of been doing for a while. I just never realized the connection to keeping in step with the Spirit before. Uh, And that is, over the years, uh, I paid a lot of attention to how God communicates with me. Just trying to know what does his voice sound like? How can I identify it? And, And I've realized very, very rarely... Does God communicate with me in a shout? More often than not, it's a little nudge. And that nudge could look like a bunch of things. It could look like I read a verse that I've read a thousand times before, but it jumps out at me for some reason this time. Uh, it, It could mean that I get an email from one person about a subject, and a week later in a totally separate conversation, that exact same thing comes up again, right? Could be... Uh, Just a seemingly random impulse to call someone I haven't talked to in a while or in the middle of a conversation with a person hearing what they're saying, a thought pops in my head and I feel like I'm supposed to share it. Whatever it is, the tricky part about those nudges, at least for me, is that if, if it's a nudge from God, if that's what I think, well, well, number one, I don't want to be wrong about that. I don't want to do something thinking it's God, and find out that it's actually something entirely different. And number two, if it is from God, well, I don't want to get it wrong. And so what I end up doing is I end up thinking about it and contemplating and praying and waiting for absolute confirmation from the Lord that this is how I'm supposed to act, which is really just a nice way of saying I ignore it for as long as I possibly can. And unfortunately, what I found happens is I end up missing out 
on some of the most amazing things that God does that he invited me into because I was too concerned about making sure that this nudge was from him to act on it. And so, so what I've learned to do instead when I get a nudge is that I don't ignore it. I specifically pay attention to it, and I test it. I test it against two things. First, I test it against the character of God. Like, who do I know God to be through reading Scripture, through my relationship with him, through other people in my life that I trust and admire that follow Jesus and share their walk with me? And I ask myself, does this nudge line up with who I know God to be? Because if it doesn't, that's a red flag. And the second thing I do is I test it against Scripture. I go to, to the Bible. I read God's story about himself that not only reveals who he is, but how we are meant to live. And what I've found is that by doing that, I don't have to ignore these nudges out of fear. I don't miss these opportunities, and it allows me to keep in step with the Spirit a little bit better than I was before. And what's interesting when I was thinking about this whole process is when I look at Scripture and I see how the character of God is revealed and how that relates and overlaps with how we're supposed to live, the place it overlaps most is the aspect of the fruit of the Spirit we're talking about this morning, and that is love. I mean, 1 John literally says God is love. And so since Scripture is his story, I mean, love is all throughout it. And so at first pass, I'm like, great, I'm preaching love. I got a million choices. This is going to be easy. But a million choices doesn't actually make something easier. I mean, have you ever tried to pick a movie on Netflix? Right, like there's the perfect movie, but everyone's seen that a thousand times. And then there's this one that's got a great plot, but the character development is garbage. And this one has great plot and characters, but the cinematography is terrible. And, and so you're always afraid that you're going to be missing something. And that was my struggle. I'm looking through scripture and I'm trying to figure out how do I preach something as big as love and do it well. And, and I had such a hard time picking, I decided I'm not going to pick. Instead, we're going to talk about how, God, how love is too big to fit in a sermon. Arguably, God, how love is too big to fit in anything because it's everything. Now, we're going to start in a, a book of the Bible called 1 Corinthians, but I, I want you to know that this is a letter, right? So there's this church planter named Paul who planted a whole ton of churches, and he would write letters back to them to address certain issues that they struggled with. And a lot of those letters are now in our New Testament. We refer to them as epistles. So this is a book of the Bible called 1 Corinthians, but it started as a letter to a church. And when we look at chapter 13, we see a ton about love, important things that we need to understand. And so even looking at just the first three verses, we see that Paul says this. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. 
Remember, he's writing this to a church. And he's saying, listen, if I can talk to angels but don't have love, if, if I can see the future and understand everything, if my faith moves mountains, even if I give everything I am and have on behalf of others but I don't have love, it's pointless because these things don't function without love. Love is necessary. You could say love is essential. Now, the word essential is kind of interesting, right? Because most of us, if we hear the word essential six months ago, you're probably thinking about oils. Some of you still are. I know. That's okay. But, but nowadays, we hear essential, you're probably thinking about one of two things. Either you're thinking about household essentials, things like bread, milk, eggs, dish soap, toilet paper, right? Stuff with which a house does not function. And things that people in our community have lost the ability to provide. Right? I've watched this church for months provide household essentials to people right up the road that need them. The other thing you might think when you hear essential is essential workers. Right now, six months ago, I talk about an important job, and probably we think of some of the, the prettier jobs, right? The ones with a little more glamour, pay pretty good, but not now. Now you think about essential workers, and sure, you still think of first responders and doctors and nurses in the hospital, but now you think about the janitorial staff and how necessary what they do is for the whole thing to work. You, you think about truck drivers and, and grocery store workers People without whom our society wouldn't function because they are essential. But when you think about what they're doing, it's not glamorous. It's not pretty. It, it probably doesn't pay very well or even fair in returns for, for what it provides to us. Because it's essential, though. We recognize it, and, and that's how we see love as being essential. Right? Because without love... Nothing else works, but the fact that it's essential does not mean that it's pretty or that it's fair. I would actually argue that, that love is never fair because it's sacrificial. You know, one of the ways uh, that love plays itself out in my home is through foster care. Uh, it's something that's near and dear to, to my whole family, me, my wife, my children, uh, in particular, my wife, Rebecca, it's just, it's her heart. And, and people who know us kind of know our story. They know that our son, Spencer, when we moved here three years ago from New Jersey, was actually our foster son. And there's all kinds of details behind that I won't take you through that just show God in incredible ways. Even how he came to be in our house, the fact that he was allowed to move with us was miraculous. But there was a stipulation he was only allowed to move with us if we agreed to continue twice a month visits with his biological parents in New Jersey. And, and so what that meant was that every other Saturday, my wife Rebecca got up at 5.30 and got in the car with a baby, drove to Charlotte Airport, went through security, got on a plane, flew to New Jersey to get off the plane and get in a car and drive an hour and change 
to a two-hour visit where she would then get back in a car, go back to the airport and through security, back on a plane, to arrive late at night in Charlotte and drive back home with this baby. All the while, we got two kids at home, two other kids at home, and we're in a new city, in a new state, in a new community, in a new neighborhood, a new role. I mean, it was, it was this incredible picture of sacrificial love. Well, about a year after we got here, she posted a thing on Facebook that I think does a better job describing this than I could. So I am simply going to read it to you. She said this, I would do anything for this child. Just got home from our 38th flight and laid him in bed next to the dada he's been crying for so he can fall back to sleep feeling as safe and as loved as he is. It's worth it. He's worth it. Every sleepless night, every tear I've shed, every mile I've traveled, Every pained moment, standing outside doors, listening to him cry while other people try to comfort him. Every single thousand prayers that I've prayed, I would do anything for this child. And I will continue to do anything for this child, and he will always know that. This is the reality of foster care and adoption. It's messy. It's painful. It's heartbreaking. It's almost more than you can handle, but you handle it anyway because the little person you love more than anything needs you to. I've never seen God so clearly as I do in these moments of loving a child that he gave me to love and the heartache that goes with it. I am so thankful he chose me to mama this sweet little boy. People who know us and know our story know how that story ended, right? They know that, that we adopted him and that he's in our family forever now and, and that we even enjoy this incredible, beautiful relationship with his biological parents. What most people don't know is that that's not the point of foster care. Like we, we got our version of a happy ending. But the point of foster care is reunification with the parents. So the point of foster care for the foster parent is to lose sleepover, to laugh with and cry with, to pray for, to love completely. A child, knowing it's very likely they are going to leave you before you're ready, as if you ever would be. It is it is sacrificial. It goes first without any reasonable expectation of what we would consider a happy ending. And that's why Rebecca sees God so clearly in it. Because it's unfair, because it's sacrificial, because that's how God loved us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He went first. Right? Jesus 
came down, walked among us, and lived a sinless life, and then died on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that he could be resurrected, we could be reconciled with God. It wasn't fair. Right? Jesus climbed on that cross for the people crucifying him, knowing what would happen. But he did it anyway. You know, people get confused about why Jesus hung on the cross. It wasn't our sin. It was love that hung Jesus on the cross. And it is that same love that we still benefit from today. Because without death, there is no resurrection. There is no being reconciled to God. And, and that's the kind of love that doesn't fade over time. You know, back to 1 Corinthians, in chapter 13, we see in verses 8 through 13, Paul talks about this. He talks about the enduring nature of love. He says this in verse 8. He says, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. He's trying to communicate that all of these important things, these incredible things that God gives us in this life, they don't last. But love, love never fails. He goes on in verse 9, he says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. What he's trying to communicate here is that all of these things that we enjoy here, that we get to experience here, that are meant for us to know him more, well, when the day comes that we stand face to face with our God and get to be in his presence for an eternity, none of those things matter. They, they pass away. But then he says this in verse 13. And now these three will remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You see, love, it is essential. Nothing works without it, but it's bigger than that. And, and it's, it's sacrificial for sure. It, it goes first, right? But, but it's more than that. Love is eternal. That's why we have these sayings like, the more love you give, the more you have. Or, or the only thing you get to leave this world with is the love that you gave away. Right? It's this incredible picture of the eternal nature of love. But when we read in the fruit of the Spirit about love, we're really not just talking about the love that God provides for us. We're talking about giving that love away 
to other people. Because that, that is how we tap into the eternal nature of love. You know, I, I have this visual in my mind about love, and I've shared it with some of you, so my apologies if you're hearing it again. But um, I think of love as warmth. And, and all the things that we struggle with as, as a cold chill. So, so when I think of coming down at 5 a.m. on the first really cold morning of the year and the heat's not on yet and there's just, there's a chill in the room, right? That chill, that represents my fear, my loneliness, my isolation, my anxiety, my despair, you name it. And all I want is the warmth of love. And, and what most of us do when we come down on a cold morning, we look, we look for one of two things. You either look for a warm blanket or a hot cup of something, right? Maybe it's coffee, tea, hot chocolate, Ovaltine, if that's still a thing. I don't know if that's still around. Um, but, but that's kind of what we do, right? And, and the blanket, well, that's like being loved by others. It's good, right? It, it wards off the chill for the amount of time that I can stay surrounded in it. But that hot cup of coffee... That's like demonstrating love. That's like giving it away because it cuts right to my center and changes my temperature. And so, so it is good to experience love, to be surrounded, to, to allow that blanket to ward off the chill. But if we really want to know the eternal nature of God's love, nothing will do that like giving it, like that hot cup of coffee. Because that change in temperature that is for good. And so, so we talk about love being essential. Nothing else works without it, but even bigger than that, we talk about it being more than sacrificial, but being eternal, and that's great. But how exactly do I live that out in my real life, especially nowadays? So I'm going to tell you, I will not promise you'll like it, but I will tell you. So we start with love being essential, with the simple reality that without it, nothing else works. And so as, as we share our medically supported idea of whether or not we should or need to wear masks, right, as, as I share my, my educated wisdom on who I'm going to vote for and who I'm not going to vote for as I share with you my common sense knowledge of when my gym should open. I have to remember that no matter how right I am, if I don't have love, it doesn't matter. Because without love, nothing works. It's essential. And, and when I think about the sacrificial nature of love, when I think about love going first, I gotta remember that it's not supposed to be fair. That when I am in any relationship, be it a spouse, a family member, a, a best friend, a coworker, when a conflict arises, if I wanna live that out, man, I gotta go first. Not to make my case, but to climb up on the cross with no expectation of getting what I want. Because love is sacrificial. 
And because without death, there is no resurrection, no reconciliation. Love isn't fair. It's bigger than that. It's eternal. And if I really want to tap in to the eternal nature of love, I can only do that by showing it. Which means that I need to be less concerned that they understand where we are coming from and more concerned about listening and understanding what they have been through because that, that will change my temperature. That is eternal. And, and I admit and understand that all those things, they probably feel harder now than they did six months ago. And that's, that's okay because love is that big. It should overwhelm us because it's bigger than me and it's bigger than you. But the good news is that this God, this God that we serve, he's already given us everything we need. Because remember that the God within us, well, that God is love. Let's pray. Lord, you know the struggles that we experience, both circumstantially and emotionally. You know the, the places in our lives where we've been wounded and find it so difficult to show or experience love. But Lord, we trust that through the power of your spirit, you will allow us not to ignore your nudges, God, but to allow them to turn us deeper in relationship with you. And so I pray for each one of us as we continue to worship you, God, would you convict us, not condemn us. Help us to see how it is that we can be a representation of your essential, sacrificial, and eternal love in this world. We pray these things in your name. Amen.